Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Coulter Nuanas here. You can always find the Big Sky Breakdown on SkylineSportsMT.com as well as on the Skyline Sports newsletter and on all your various podcast hosting platforms. Got a whole bunch of analysis for you. We have so many analysts now, which is so fun. Uh, Brooks Nuanas, co-founder of Skyline Sports, always joins us, but this week he will uh, be absent. But in his place, we'll hear from Andrew Houghton. We'll also hear from Samuel Kem, former Grizz wide receiver. And we'll also hear from Ty Gregorak, longtime defensive coordinator both at Montana and Montana State. Mike Ryder's also been in the fold, but he's he, like myself, has been uh, feeling a little under the weather. So uh, here we are. We'll have plenty of analysis for you. We get things started with Andrew Houghton around the Big Sky Conference. Then Samuel will help us break down the Grizz win over Sacramento State. And then we'll hear from Ty Gregorak on how Montana State bounced back after losing at Idaho with a big win over Northern Arizona last week. You can always find the Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Here's Andrew Houghton with myself, Coulter Nuanas. Well, I've definitely officially lost it. That's twice in one week that I uh, haven't recorded. <laughs> the good news is that both the times have been with people that are in-house here at Missoula Broadcasting Company, at least. So I know where to find them. Not as if the, it was a wasted trip to the studio. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. We're going to try to replicate the magic of earlier. Myself, Coulter Nuanas, and Andrew Houghton talking all Big Sky Conference stuff uh, around the Big Sky Conference here. As we close in on the season, I mean, the first thing I have for you, Andrew, is just uh, this week leading into next week because it just seems like this is like the the final step towards then what we've hoped to be a collision course between Montana and Montana State. It's also weird because, I mean, I guess you could say UC Davis and Idaho State is like a premier game this week because you got the father-son deal going on. But we've had basically like the the – one of the national games of the week every week, probably five weeks straight, has been in the Big Sky Conference. Whether it was Montana at UC Davis or Montana at Idaho, Montana State at Idaho, Montana State at Sac State, or Sac State at Montana, we've had you know this crazy round-robin showcase. So I guess what do you think of just this uh, second-to-last week of the regular season? Well, I like it. I'm looking forward to it, Coulter. It feels like you know just one final little interlude where we can have a little fun before the uh the world ending apocalypse of what might be a, a, a top five brawl game where you're just gonna have to take it and the consequences of that game so seriously uh that it kind of crowds out everything else this week we don't have any of that we don't have any games as you mentioned probably um of natural repute, so to speak. With with national implications, right? Sure. Unless something crazy were to happen. Here's your big sky schedule this week. Eastern Washington is at Montana State. It's crazy that that has fallen. For, I mean, as re- recently as, what, three years ago, that would be a, a top 20 matchup? Well, and Idaho and Weber State looked tasty when the schedule was <laughs> oh, released before the season, too. And uh, now that one just is, yeah. is nothing. Yeah. Uh, Northern Colorado plays at Northern Arizona. Cal Poly plays at Sac State. UC Davis at Idaho State for the Hawkins Bowl. And then Montana. The late game uh, at Portland State. Uh, I heard I heard there was some... Uh, I heard Bobby Houck wasn't happy about the the late kickoff in Portland because he doesn't like the night games, but I think he's learned to accept it if they're going to be on ESPN too. But th- this game is not on national TV. In front TV. of 400 people at Hillsborough <laughs> Stadium. Yeah, yeah, right. I mean, for real, what's the over-under on this game? Probably about 4,000, and probably half of them will be Grizz fans. So um, they, did, they actually moved the kick up an hour. It was supposed to be 7 Pacific, 8 Mountain, but they moved it up an hour. Uh, I still think that's uh, too late if it's not for the TV purposes. But uh, anyways, 
Um, let's start at the top of the schedule, though. The the regression of Eastern Washington is is it's like nothing I ever have ever seen, and I don't mean it's because it's so crazy or anything like that. It's actually just so definable. They just don't have as good of players as they used to have, and it's as simple as that. They don't have bad players. They right. they're fine. They are a fine team. It's just crazy that they won almost exclusively on their talent. It wasn't because of their prestige or like their fan base or their home field advantage. They won based on talent, and then that talent took a step back to like the middle of the pack, and now they're just a middle of the pack team. It's that's why I mean it's like nothing I've ever seen before because it's so there is no like crazy. Man, what what's going on? You know, right? I, that simplifies it a little bit because talent and scheme, right, were, sure. the, were the big things for Eastern Washington. It's never been surprising to me that that, that they fell off because that was always a team that was playing with fire, right? Because sure. the the defense was never all that good at Eastern Washington. They were winning shootouts, yeah, um, and so their margin for error in my mind, was always slimmer than a lot of the other contenders in the league, right? For, who, for sure. who were winning more balanced uh, because when the offense took even a little bit of a step back, the defense wasn't going to be good enough to cover for that, and that's exactly what's happened, right? I mean, they've got dudes on offense still. They do. But as you mentioned, the talent there has taken a, yeah. a couple steps back, right? and so now they're 500 in league instead right. of – contending for a national seed. I actually think that their regression in talent is actually more displayed defensively than maybe offensively because Efton Chisholm's still one of the better receivers in the league. You know, their running backs are pretty good. They have, a, I mean, several, they have several receivers that are, you know, top half of the league at least. But they don't have any guys that are real headliners defensively. And even though they never really had a defensive identity, they would always have two, three, four guys on their team that were like first-team all-conference type players, right? Like Greg Peach won the Buck Buchanan Award. You know, he, he was uh, – uh, uh, you know, an outstanding player there. J.C. Sherritt finished his career as the all-time leader in tackles in conference history, and then Ronnie Hamlin broke that mark. So those guys were certainly reputable. I mean, T.J. Lee was a corner that went on to play in the CFL for a long time. Matt Johnson was a fourth-round draft pick as a safety. Samson Ebucom was a third-round draft pick as a defensive end. So they've had guys defensively, too, that that uh, have, have been headliners in the conference, even though they've never been considered a uh, defensive team. I also just wonder how much of it is just sort of the apathy is the wrong word, but no matter how good Eastern ever got, they never were any, there was never like a frenzy. Like you look at Idaho, right? Idaho got good the last two years. Idaho football is a, is a thing that's back in now, right? People are proud to be vandals even more than they ever were. And the Kimmy Dome's selling out and you see, and even when we drive around Coeur d'Alene and there's all sorts of Idaho stickers all over the place and stuff. Eastern never really caught that. They they were just they'd get ten eight to ten thousand fans at the, the height of it. They're still getting like sixty five to eight hundred eight thousand fans now. It, it, there's like a disconnect there, and then I think the pressure that the university itself there's so much backlash That's on right. campus saying, "Hey, these guys get all this state subsidy and they're running their football program basically on taxpayer dollars." And it hasn't mattered how good they are. They are not really self-sustaining. I don't know. I think all of it just kind of goes into them just sort of returning back to the middle of the pack. Yeah, it's a tough comparison for Eastern when you compare them to Idaho, right? Because sure. Idaho is the flagship university of the state. And for Eastern sure. Washington is definitionally uh, sort of a, a, a directional school. Have you noticed lately 
this new Bobby Houck thing where he's calling all the directional schools not Eastern but East? No. Not Northern but North? No. North Colorado. North Colorado was said multiple times last week. East Washington has been said <laughs> recently as well. I don't know what the why is behind this, but I just think it's so funny. So Bobby Howe. The man, the things that that man does with language. <laughs> you know, you don't think of him as an innovator <laughs> in the field of language, yeah. but maybe he is. Maybe he is. Uh, uh, to get off this tangent, the Eastern Washington-Montana State game, I mean, I just, I just think point blank that it's just a bad matchup for Eastern. I mean, Eastern just has a, a heck of a time against that sort of rushing attack, and then everybody has a heck of a time against Montana State's rushing attack. So I think barring some sort of completely unforeseen circumstances, that'll be a cruise in Bozeman. The Idaho-Weaver State game is actually more intriguing to me than I think that it is to you. Uh, you are really high on Idaho. I am too, but... I do think Weber is dangerous for one reason. They certainly have been disjointed and lacked continuity so far this year. But of all the teams that have below 500 conference records, none of those teams have one of the better offensive lines in the league. Three of the better defense. I mean, still right now, Winston Reed, Jack Kelly, and Maxwell Anderson are three of the best players at their positions in the conference. Abraham Williams is still the best kicker turner in the conference. Devon Bankston, when he's healthy, is one of the better running backs in the conference. So you, you, you sort of pile all those things together. Weber is the biggest underachiever in the league, but they certainly, I think, are a little bit dangerous with the Vandals coming to town. Everything you just said is is right. I think, unfortunately, that the ship has sort of sailed on Damon Bankston. Yeah. Being healthy and being effective. And then beyond yeah, he him... he looked so good in that Northern Iowa game, and then incredible, he's just been a right? non-factor since. Well, and Weber State was, what, top eight in the country after that game? This is the hard part, too, where the, these teams just don't... Like, I, Brett, Brett Hyde does a good job covering Weber State is from a you know results standpoint and stuff, but there's just not a lot of injury stuff out of there. I, I was thinking that maybe he got hurt and they just didn't really talk about it because he's... I mean, I've asked for him to be on the podcast twice, and they he just it was just kind of like no-show. And oftentimes that's because of injury. But anyways, yeah, I mean, you're right. I, the momentum of their season, despite winning last week at Idaho State, is sort of non null and void. Well, I think the issue is is that without that running back, they just have nothing else on offense. They've cycled through, I think, right. three quarterbacks this year yeah. fully because of quality of play, nothing to do with injury. Haven't found an answer there. And the offense is, I think, infecting the rest of the team because they just can't get anything going. So you think uh... – Idaho will take one more step towards uh, staying in the driver's seat then as conference champion. Yeah, and I think Idaho is going to take this game seriously too because all of those players have been there for a while. They understand that Weber State, I I think it's going to hold a little bit of importance for them that Weber State is a team, even though they're down this year, that's been at the top of the conference for the last five years. That's what Coach X said on Vandals Weekly. He said, hey, I told my guys, this team has made the playoffs seven out of the last eight years. This team was supposed to be in the playoffs this year. This team looks like a playoff team on film, especially on defense, so we have to treat this like a playoff game. Because it is it is a playoff game in a certain sense. It's not going to knock Idaho out of the playoffs if they lose this game, but it's going to hurt their playoff standing, no question. Yes, that's right. I mean, and they, they understand that they want uh, as high a seed as possible to be at the Kibbe yes. Dome for as long as possible. Damon Bankston uh, hasn't played since the end of September. Yeah, see, there he you hasn't go. had more than 50 yards in a game since the Utah game, wow. so he has... Uh, a total of 21 carries for 66 yards in conference play. So wow. I think he's, I think the ship sailed on him, like I said. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. 
Part of the glory of building a business comes from leaving a legacy to ensure your business continues thriving into the future. Have you asked yourself lately, what is your plan? Forming a personalized business succession plan is essential to know the passion you put into your business will carry on. Nick Tabor at Westpac Wealth is here to help you navigate all your business succession and retirement planning needs. Give Nick a call at 728-6699 and keep the spirit of possibility vibrant while making your future more tax efficient with a personalized business succession and retirement plan for you. Well, Northern Colorado's got two chances to get off the schneid. One is in Flagstaff, the other one in Greeley against Portland State. When you look at that middle of the conference, it's fascinating that there's six teams that all have identical three and three conference records and how different the outlook for the rest of the year are for all six of those teams. Yeah, you think they're the same. Only two of those teams have a chance to make the playoffs. Right, Zach State and UC Davis. The rest are playing for a variety of other things, whether it's Idaho State just trying to continue to build on year one under Cody Hawkins, or it's Portland State maybe trying to salvage a winning record uh, to take some momentum into next year, or uh, it's NAU just trying to get two more wins so that they can maybe have a case to not have to reshuffle the staff and or have a new head coach altogether. Uh, it's weird. It's weird that and then there's Eastern Washington, who's, I mean, the last the last time Eastern Washington had back to back losing seasons had to be when Bill Clinton was the president. I mean, oh wow, yeah, you know, I mean, yeah, no, that makes sense. Eastern right now is four and five. If they were to win out, they would be six and five. But they're gonna. They're, I don't think they're gonna win in Bozeman this week. But um, then they'd have to beat Northern Arizona in their season finale in Cheney. So that's uh, you know that's an interesting one uh, as well because it's been uh, it's been a minute since Eastern Washington has had back to back. I mean, who do you think out of that group that's non playoff containing who has the the most to play for? What are the most important scenarios uh, amongst that that collection of four teams? Well, I think for Northern Arizona, obviously, Chris Ball is in a contract year. We identified him before the season as a guy who was probably going to be on the hot seat. Yep. They had the the peak of beating Montana, and it looked like you know maybe they were going to be able to make some noise in the conference and maybe even contend for a playoff spot after you beat that Montana team. They've been up and down since then. They've got some, some good wins. I know their Reber State win is not looking as good as it did when they got it. Uh, their UC Davis win, again, that could be a playoff team, but probably not. They've been up and down. I think you have a much easier argument to be retained if you win two straight going into the offseason because then you can say, well, we closed the season strong and also we beat one of the top five teams in the country. Those are two pretty fair points for for getting an extension. But I think what's going to be interesting among these four teams is which of those teams are going to be able to convince themselves that they have something to play for, Right. right? Which coach is going to be able to motivate his team over the last two weeks. Which group of players just has the most intrinsic motivation among themselves? Because I think that probably decides a lot of what happens among the last two weeks with those four teams. The last time officially Eastern Washington had back-to-back losing seasons were in Mike Kramer's first two years at Eastern, 1994 and 1995. So that's the year I was born. (laughs) Yeah, since since then... uh, Easter's actually only had two losing seasons. Well, I guess Kramer had one more losing year in uh, in 1998, five and six. Then they only had one losing season under um, Paul Wolf. No losing seasons under Bo Baldwin, and uh, now 
under Aaron Best. Actually, last year was their first losing year under Coach Best in this, so it would be back-to-back for the first time since 1994 and 1995. Well, when it comes to who can convince themselves that they need to surge down the stretch, you look at the opportunities that each one of those middling teams have, and that's going to be the the defining factor, right? Weber, they can they can knock off Idaho, derail that that playoff push, that push towards the seed. Northern Arizona, you don't want to be the team that, that gives up the the win the worst the first win to Northern Colorado. Sac State, you're still in the playoff push for sure, so you got to get it right against Cal Poly to set the Cosmic Classic up to basically be a playoff contest. UC Davis is playing playoff games right now. Yeah, that's right. Idaho State is you know they could be the the spoiler times two. Because Cody Hawkins can spoil it for his old man, Dan. Because if, if Idaho State beats UC Davis this week in Pocatello, UC Davis is out, That's, right? Yep, absolutely. And then Idaho State goes to Moscow to play Idaho in the Kibbe Dome. So that's an interesting one. And then if you're Portland State, it's your Super Bowl. you got Montana coming to town. you got all these familiarities. you you know, got Robbie Houck on one sideline and Coach Houck on the other sideline. you got Bruce Barnum on one sideline, Cooper Barnum on, you know, playing for the Grizz. So, I, I mean, I think those are your scenarios there. And then the last weekend of the season – Sac State, UC Davis, if they both win this week, the Cosway Classic for the 70th time will be basically a play-in game. Or uh, you know, I think Sac will be in the playoffs regardless. And if, then, the, if they beat Cal Poly this week, they can afford yeah. to lose to Davis. Yeah. Although, you know, they'd be sneaking in there, and they, they would, would not have a pleasant first-round no, game, No, they would I get would a think. bad draw. Yeah, they would get a bad draw for sure. Um, The other final week games, and we'll get to these again next week, but Portland State plays at Northern Colorado, so, you know, the Vikings, if they lose this week, who knows what their mentality is. You know, the winning record would be out the window. But also, again, you don't want to be the team that gives Northern Colorado their first win. Northern Arizona, Eastern Washington, that could be a game with a lot of uh, implications in terms of moving forward with each staff. Idaho State, Idaho, and then Weber State at, at Cal Poly. So it's fascinating. It's going to be interesting to see where it all uh, plays out. We were talking about this earlier when we weren't recording, so we'll try to rehash it in a little bit more concise fashion. But in terms of like the seeding, I just think it's weird right now the way that it's all going to go because we love the fact that there's this showdown at the end of the year between Montana and Montana State. Probably going to be the first time they're both in the top five ever uh, going into the, the rivalry game. But one of those two teams has to lose that game, and that's going to impact their seeding. I, I do think that Three of the top five at the worst, maybe even three of the top four teams in the football championship subdivision are in the big sky. I think it's Idaho, Montana, Montana State in no particular order. But they're not going to go two, three, four in the seeding. Probably. Probably not, right? The loser of the the rivalry game is probably going to get the five or the six. So, I don't know. It's uh, going to be crazy to see how it all plays out. Is there any way Idaho stubs their toe and then makes the – the rivalry game for uh, the two seed outright. To me, not much of a chance. Yeah, I already I've, I've given my thoughts on Weber State this week. I don't think that's a, a particularly good matchup for Weber State. Although it is in Ogden, if you're going to summon some of your your old pride, and you know they do have some players with championship experience left on that team, like you talked about, it would be this week. I'm kind of intrigued to see Idaho State in Idaho. Because uh, I feel like that'll be a true measure of the progress that Idaho State has made this year. Yeah. And I, I appreciate having that game at the very end of the season there. But I, I th- Idaho certainly is going to be heavily favored in both of these two games. 
I think the motivation is going to be there f- for them to to sort of see out the end of the season because they do have the number two seed on the line there. Jason X is going to make it very clear to his players that, hey, we've only had four home games out of 11 this year. Well, if you win these two, you're playing at the Kibbe Dome for as long as you play until we get to Frisco. Right. Because you're probably going to be the number two seed. Yep, that's uh, that's gonna be fascinating to see. If I don't get it done, though, they're gonna be the uh, they're gonna get the auto bid, which is a pretty crazy accomplishment in Coach X's second season, especially considering that their other primary championship contenders are the other two sort of juggernaut programs in the league, and both of those programs have been under their leadership for longer than X two years uh, at the helm. The Grizz, if they win out, they're the two seed. Right, because they have the the head to head over Idaho, and they will have had three wins over the three other contenders. That how amazing would that be for the Grizz if they went three and zero against Idaho, Montana State, and Sac State this year? Wouldn't you regret it though? Because you would always think back to that Northern Arizona game and think, right, that is what is keeping us from being undefeated. Right, <laughs> you still be the two seed. You, you would enjoy. Right? No, of course that would be great for the Grizz. It'd be that, great for Grizz fans, right? But that still would be living in the back sure. of your mind, right? Like we did all the hard it's, things. It's why why the bracket is so brilliant though because it's you're you're gunning for two number one seeds basically because if you're the two seed you don't have to leave your home until the championship it doesn't matter right right you don't have to play the one seed on the road that's all that matters <laughs> that's all that matters nobody wants to go to brookings nobody that's the other part that's sweet about this is home field advantage is going to be so key and who gets who where is going to be so key because it always is it always is but nobody especially this year you have four places that could really, really draw really, really well in the playoffs, and that's the three big sky schools and South Dakota State. Right, and and North Dakota State will be in it as well for sure. Uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be really interesting in that sort of the lo- where the loser of the brawl gets seated yeah. at is yeah. going is going to be really interesting. If we think Furman sneaks into the four seed, right? You really, really want if you're a big sky fan that big sky team to get the five and not to drop back to the six, because then they're either going to Missoula or the Kibbe dome or Bozeman for the rematch. Right? right. Right. A big sky rematch in the playoffs would be crazy. The other thing I think we need to be wary of is, I don't know if you are the teams, they just want to be as good as they could be, but North Dakota state is almost certainly going to not get a seed they're, but they're going to be in that, like that Weber state from last year mold. If they win out, if they get to eight and three, and this is going to be like that 10th or 11th team that's getting sent to like the the 5, 6, or 7 in the second round after a first-round game. And that could very well be, because of regionality, the loser of the rivalry game between Montana and Montana State. I don't know. I think that that would be a, that'd be a tough draw if you are either the Cats or the Grizz. Completely agree. I think that's the one that you really want to avoid. I think you'd want to avoid, well, I don't know. Some of those Missouri Valley teams are so intriguing. I, yeah. I, w- I would be a lot more intimidated if I was the Montana schools, if NDSU's coming to town, no matter how much they've struggled this year, than if it was South Dakota or Southern Illinois or Northern Iowa, right? Yes. I think the Bison have earned that, right? Right. right? Like, I don't. I haven't watched a ton of Missouri Valley football conference this year. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going off past history. I think. I think the Bison have earned that. In or out here on the Big Sky Breakdown, uh, anything else to add about this week before we get you out of here? 
No, just that I, you know, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I'm interested to see how it's going to play out. I'm also kind of interested just to watch some football this week without thinking about, yeah, hey, right. how does this affect their potential seeding? Who's got a playoff spot on the line? Also, something that we talked about earlier when we weren't recording, maybe a week that influences some of the individual awards this season because there's not a ton of separation there. Absolutely. I mean, I think we. We don't really know even who the leader of the clubhouse is for the individual awards other than probably freshman of the year. I think freshman of the year, Eli Gilman is certainly leading the pack, if not probably already secured it. I mean, he's got 700-plus yards rushing and 10 touchdowns already. So I think he's probably there. Um, Coach of the year, Jason Eck. Bobby Halk are the two front runners, but yep. Brett, Brett Vegan, if he comes into Missoula and wins, and if you go nine and two with that schedule, uh, and you have a winning record with that those five road games that they had to play, you're probably a pretty big contender. You're so. in there, but he'd still lose it to Eck, right? If right. Idaho wins out, yeah, that's true. Um, but offensive and defensive players of the year, I don't even really know because Johnny McCoy is the best quarterback in the conference, but his statistics are sort of. I don't want to say underwhelming, but they're they're reflective of the style that they that that uh, Idaho plays. I mean, Javon McCoy's thrown for 2,064 yards. Excuse me. It's fine. It's amazing. That, I mean, what about the drop off for statistically for all the Big Sky quarterbacks well, this year? We got two weeks left in the season. Nobody's thrown more than fourteen touchdowns. Well, it's because the is anybody going to get to twenty touchdowns this year? It's because of the style that everybody's playing. Man, it's like Marty always says. Coach Marty Morningweg always says. It's cyclic. He means it's cyclical. He always yes. says cyclic, but he means cyclical. But, um, I mean, we're going to have maybe two 1,000-yard rushers, but that's but but that's it. Um, I mean, the, the receiving statistics are are incredibly down as well. I mean, there, there's not going to be a 100-yard receiver in the there, conference right not, now. There's not going to be a 1,000-yard receiver in the conference. There's not going to be – there might be like a 90-catch guy if, if Shadon James at, at Idaho State can get there. But, yeah, I mean, all the way across the board. Well, think about some of these premier games. Like, part of it's because the team that's lighting up the scoreboard the most is Montana State. They have no statistical standout player because they play There's so six running many, backs. They play yeah. so many dudes, right? Like, the, the player of the year offensively in the league should just be Montana State's quarterback position. But you can't just conglomerate those two guys' stats and and let it roll. Like if Chambers just would have been the guy, I think he would have had prolific enough stats that he would have been the front runner for the the award. But he hasn't since he gave the reins back to Tommy Malott. He hasn't played. <laughs> so no, and it's working that way in a lot of places around yeah, the league, yeah. right? Because Clifton McDowell didn't take over the quarterback job in Montana until halfway through the season, right? Idaho State has the most prolific offense in the league, but they have two quarterbacks splitting time, right? So even right. though one of those guys is probably not going to win the award because Idaho State's not all that great, if one of those guys had played the entire season, they'd have clearly the best stats in the league. Yep. Um, when it comes to defensive player of the year, I, mean, I think you're probably your your best individual statistics guy is is probably in terms of a guy who plays on a really good defense. It's either Brody Greeby or Riley Wilson, but Riley Wilson missed some time. And Braxton Hill is up there for Bra- Montana, too. Braxton Hill, for sure. But but you and I were talking about this earlier. To me, if you're going to nominate a guy from Montana, if I'm Bobby Houck, I stand on the table and I say it's it's Alex Gubner. And statistics be damned, the guy is – you know all the all the tackles that Braxton Hill's gotten, it's because of Alex Gubner. All the sacks that Riley Wilson's gotten, 
Alex Gubner's the guy that that triggers all of that. He's the most dominant. I mean, every every coach we have on the on the radio every week that's playing the Grizz, what do they say? It all starts with 99. I'm uh, so impressed with 99. 99's the guy that makes the whole thing go. And I think that Coach Houck would tell you that as well. And there is precedent for this as well. You know, I mean, Jay Lee, JT Tallulli, excuse me, at Eastern Washington a couple of years ago was an inside guy that was a dominant guy that maybe didn't have the eye-popping statistics. And Governor's statistics are, are decently good. I mean, he has three sacks and six tackles for loss. He's got 27 total tackles. But, I mean, it, it's more – if I'm Coach Yuck, I'm saying, hey, this guy gets his jersey ripped off every single game. He's so dominant. That's the stat you need, And right? he's going to say, you all know it. <laughs> you Ask all your know offensive it. coordinators, <laughs> right. right? That's right. Who they were game planning That's right. for. That's right. No, it's, it's a good point, and I, I like the argument. And, again, though, on defense, we're seeing sort of a flattening of these individual stats here. I mean, nobody's having a crazy – Season. I mean, Winston Reed's going to get to 100 tackles for Weber State. Yeah. Nobody else is going to. For sure. The the guys who, who might get to double-digit sacks, Riley Wilson and maybe Brody Greeby aside, right. play for the bad teams. Well, right. And like, I mean, and I'm not sure anybody's going to even get there. <laughs> Riley Corgan dropped this on his coach's show last night. He's like, Montana has one of the most balanced offenses in the country. And I was like, really? Is that true? And then he's like, they're averaging 180 yards a game passing and 180 yards a game rushing. And I'm like... Well, that's balanced. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's just not prolific. No, I think we definitely have seen a swing of the pendulum back towards the middle. I think everybody's playing. This isn't the NFL, too, though. Everybody's playing bend but don't break defense, and then we're going to buckle down in the 20s. And so there's some yards that are happening or whatever, but we certainly have seen uh, – I mean, there is no, there is no, you know, historic eye-popping type numbers going on like we've seen over the – even the last 10 years. But the Big Sky has been that kind of league, though. That's right. The big sky, it's been every year. There are two, three, four guys who are putting up just ridiculous numbers, whether that's Dante Olsen numbers yeah. of tackles or Hayden Hatton last year receiving. How much or of it do you think is the quarterbacks? The, how much of it is how much so I think that the pack the, the, the Pac twelve, the power five is recruiting at a better clip. I I guess that's across the country. It's harder for guys to slip through the cracks now. Because there's so much more visibility. And then if a guy does slip through the cracks, like Xavier Gilroy or Cameron Scadaboo, they just transfer up, right? I don't know. I, I just think I, th- I guess there. I think there's a. I think there's a uh, college football environment part of this as well, where it's harder to get the the true outliers in there. So if if, right. if or if you know everybody is decent, then nobody is is right. great or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. We'll see. Big time breakdown. SkylineSportsMT.com. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. Samuel Kim up next to diagnose all things Montana's win over Sac State. Plus, take a look at what's coming up for the primary contenders. Big Sky Breakdown rolls on. Blackfoot Communications continues to lift up our local entrepreneurs, delivering the resources needed to transform ideas into businesses. Our C2M beta program was founded with the mission to connect local entrepreneurs to more. With access to more professional expertise, more state-of-the-art technology, and more development resources, our 12-week program delivers the foundational and modern skills required to transform influential ideas into thriving businesses. Apply today at goblackfoot.com apply. Join Town Pump's Pump It Up Rewards Plus program and never pay full price for fuel again. 
Save five cents on every gallon every day at any town pump across Montana. Plus, earn and redeem points on your favorite in-store items to get free stuff with our clubs. Stop in and pick up a rewards card. Download the Pump It Up Rewards Plus app today. Or visit townpump.com slash rewards to register and start saving. Well, I love seeing you in your cheese head. This is this is pretty good. Sammy Kim here awesome. on the Big Sky Break Days back from Green Bay. Bummer though, Smarty Tori, who went out there to watch, he didn't get to play. He has yeah. a healthy scratch. But uh, aside from that, what did you think of the experience? What did you think of Lambeau? Man, it was awesome. Lambeau's amazing. I mean, that stadium, those fans, it's awesome. I mean, they show up. They show up for sure. And I can't remember who had told me it's like a little Green Bay. It might have been Ace Sour Wine or somebody had told me, or not a little Green Bay, like a little, little Wazoo. Yeah, a little, little Wazoo. A little Missoula, yeah. And uh, I completely agree. I mean, the fans show up. They're loud. They're ready to go. They care a lot. And, you know, that's all you can ask for. Well, and the Packers won handily. I mean, the Rams are struggling. Yeah. Matthew Stafford didn't play. They played Ripon. Uh, Ripon, yeah. Ripon, yeah. And uh, I think. Everybody else really played for them. Cooper played, Puka played, but yeah. right, Ripon wasn't really able to get the ball out to him, so they they struggled mightily on offense. Yeah, they need uh, they need their trigger man back for sure. Stafford's the key that makes that whole thing go. So that game uh, felt like it went by so fast. Right. Well, because I you think, watch it. No, I was li- I listened to it on the radio. That was okay. the game we played on ESPN Radio. It was actually okay. my fiance's uh, grandfather's 88th birthday. Wow. And they live out of town, so we were driving. But I was like, oh, we can listen to the game for like 45 minutes while we drive out there, and then on the way back, we listened to the end part of it. So it did seem like it went fast, though, Very right? Fast. Yeah. Well, cool. I'm glad you had a good time out there. We were just talking. I think that there's a couple of cool storylines going on in the big sky this week. Obviously, the world is like anticipating just turning it to next week, right? Yeah. Everybody's like, hey, let's get to the showdown. And yeah. the fact that both the Cats and the Grizz are big-time favorites coming off of big-time wins this last week. They're big-time favorites this week, too. So everybody's yeah. like, ah. So we'll get to that. I don't think either of these teams can afford to overlook their opponents because that Not would screw all. up the whole collision course. But, <laughs> but uh, in Pocatello... UC Davis at Idaho State, and Dan Hawkins gets to play against his son, Cody Hawkins. I was doing some research. This is the first time a father-son have gone head-to-head D1 since the Bowdens did it some, like, 10 years ago. So it's been, wow. a, it's been a while. Bowdens were uh, Florida Bo- State. Bobby Bowden and, and, I guess, Tommy Bowden would have been at Clemson at the time. Okay. Yeah. But they weren't head coaches, were they? Bobby well, Bowden was. Uh, and then Tommy Bowden was oh, the head was? coach at Clemson oh, right wow. before Dabo Swinney. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because Dabo got there in 2014, right? Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's – it's an interesting fold. I wonder what that's going to be like. I know. I couldn't imagine playing against I mean, my dad's never coached sports in his life. <laughs> I couldn't imagine like, what it'd be like to coach against my dad. Totally. Well, then you have the father-son, father-son on both sidelines for the Portland State-Montana game. I uh, think that's a little bit more of a better story. Especially right? considering Robbie played here. Right. Now he's at Portland State. You got Coach Barnum. His son was at UW. But now his son is at Montana. Monta- yeah, I'm saying he's at, at Washington State. He was yep. at Washington State. Yeah, yeah, okay. For, for baseball. And now yep. he's at. But I think that's a little bit of a better story because obviously father, son, head coaches, that's pretty interesting. But like you got sons on each team, the head coaches right. of the respective right. teams. I think I think that's a little bit better of a story. I mean, Coach Barton was cracking me up yesterday. He came on the ESPN show live and he was like, well, I sat down, Hauk. Uh, you know, I'm not trying to pull a Harbaugh. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's like, so we had to go over all the, the sportsmanship stuff here. Like, right. okay, I want you to be, you're my, you're coaching on my staff. So you got to tell me all the good scout stuff. But right. also, like, I don't want you to give me any. Like, step. Yeah, right. Just any right. internal secrets. So I don't know. What do you think of just like kind of the advantages on both sides here? Because for, for Portland State, 
Robbie absolutely knows. Oh yeah, the he's Grizz the key defense. part of that. He was the key part of the defense, right? Totally. I mean, he knows it in and in and out. So right. he knows all sorts of different stuff. I saw Coach Barnum. I think when he was talking to Sean, I think he said something about Rob or Sean. I saw Sean last night yeah. at uh, Chris Compton. He did his signing party. I don't know if anybody knows him, but oh yeah, Chris Compton. Yeah, shout out Chris, uh, pitcher for the Mavs. Where did he sign again? Uh, University of Mary. In oh, University Bismarck. of Mary in Bismarck. Yep, yeah, that's yeah, right. Yeah. Yep, cool. But Sean was there last night. He was talking about how. Um, Coach Barnum had mentioned that Robbie ran their their scout team, yep, yep. so I think that's going to be pretty instrumental for them. You know, I mean, he can give them all the tips. He, I mean, he has all the tips. He knows everything, so I think that'll be interesting. I don't know how well it'll because I know uh, Sean also mentioned that they have a lot of injuries on defense, right. playing quite a few freshmen. Yeah, so they are. We'll see how they're able to execute. Yeah, it's it's, uh, it's fascinating. Um, Coach Houck said that Robbie was even running a little bit of scout team stuff himself, you know, putting on the cleats yeah. and running back there and showing, wow. some, showing some stuff. But I think a testament to what we've been saying about how the Grizz have changed a bunch of stuff up on the back end because Barnum said that one thing that Robbie was a little uncertain about or that he didn't have intel on was all the coverage stuff that they were running. Yeah. So I think that's a testament yeah. to the fact they changed it up quite a bit. Yeah. I will say this, though. Against Sac State, I saw a lot of zero. And that's why, yeah, right. and that's a lot. We did a lot of zero when Robbie was here too, because I remember when we played East, uh, when we played Eastern, you can't let Eric hurt you. And I remember we were blitzing so much. But um, that I think people talked about TC. You know, TC got the game ball. Trajan Cotton, yep. yeah, Trajan Cotton, my fault. Um, he got targeted a lot. I don't think that was part of their game plan. It might have been. Mm-hmm. I think it was more so just like the blitz is coming. Most times you got that number two receiver on a fade seam type, and they're just throwing it up, trying to get it out of their hands. But, um, yeah, it worked out well for us. Yeah, so Robbie being on Portland State staff, that's an interesting fold. Cooper Barnum being on Montana's team, that's also an interesting fold. Barney said he hasn't told him anything, though. Barney yeah. says he calls him every week, and this week he had nothing to say. Yeah, right, I'm sure. <laughs> it's also fascinating, like, who wants to beat who more, right? Right. Like, Robbie would definitely want to – to beat his dad, I'm, I'm pretty sure, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also because they're not going for the wins record anymore. Bobby got the wins record last right. year. so right. Or last week, excuse me. So, I don't know. I just, it is a, it's kind of a cool story. I wonder how many times that's happened where you have father, son, father, son on both sides. Yeah, I'm sure it's rare. It's got to be rare. Got to be rare. Because it has, I mean, it has to be a timing thing. It has to, it would be really interesting if Robbie played for Portland State. That right. would be crazy. Right, <laughs> totally, totally. Sammy Kim here on the uh, Big Sky Breakdown. Well, let's break down the sack game then. I told you, man. I told you oh, they man. were. I told you they were you gonna. You knew. I, I knew. I knew that. I just thought. I just thought that Sac State having a banged up offensive line and other lights at Washington Grizzly Stadium and a coach who played here yeah. in his first time as a head coach. With I just thought they were gonna be kind of overwhelmed by yeah. it all, and they were. They actually didn't look overwhelmed at all the first ten minutes of the game. They no. were looked great, and then they just kind of fell apart. It was it was uh, kind of wild to watch, but a part of that's just how much pressure Montana puts on you. Based on what you saw, do you think Sac State went away from the run, or do you think they couldn't run it? Do you think we that's, adjusted? That's, do you think Montana adjusted? That's interesting, right? Because Fulcher, number nine, was Toten. like going beast mode in the yeah. first quarter. I mean, he had like, I think, 56 of his 87 yards rushing on the first two possessions. Yeah, they were doing And then really they well. kind of went away from it. And I don't know. I think it was a combination of both. Sometimes like, I think that Montana shows you so many things defensively. I think it gets in some people's heads. Starts making OCs over things. Exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, we need to do this, this, and this. Like, I thought it was forced that they went with both quarterbacks. I don't really it know. Was. I don't really know why you'd like roll a freshman out there. 
that environment. I don't know about that. Windy, rainy, 25,000 people. It just I said that in my breakdown. I think he struggled with the pressure. He definitely struggled with the pressure. That just seems like a weird spot. You know, yeah. like when you're rolling against Idaho State, okay, that's fine. But, yeah. like, against Montana in Missoula, it just seems like. Top team in the country. Like. It seems super weird. Plus, um, Bennett, I'm pretty sure the freshman didn't play against Idaho. Right. And the freshman didn't play against Montana State. So, it's right. like, now when you're playing a top five team, now this is when right. you. And his first playing action was a week ago. So, it's like. Yeah. Oh, no. yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was interesting decision making, but I also think that I think it's twofold. I I do think the Montana stuff they run a little bit, but then I also think that they went away from it, and I think that that's part of why the style that the Grizz play works. Yeah, because they get you to panic. Yeah, they get you to go away from what you're doing because you're like, okay, well, not only do they bring so much pressure, but also they're just gonna grind the clock on the other side of the ball. Oh yeah, Zach, when they came down and they they missed that field, they're down twenty-one-seven. They had a nice drive into the red zone, yeah. and then they got stuffed twice. That could have got line. them some momentum. Even just getting three there would have helped, but getting seven would have been huge. But they just they didn't get it, and then yeah. they just kind of unraveled after that. Yeah, that was like it was that, and then Keelan doing the uh, the ninety seven yard touchdown. I, that was just like the dagger because they hadn't really been super successful on offense. Get a chance to get to the points you don't. The momentum stays with us. It's just it's just tough to come back from. How about the the departure? I mean, the fact that a Bobby Hauk team. Took a shot from the three yard line and scored a ninety seven yard touchdown. Is it shows you how much that they've really bought into evolving? You it, know, it does, but it doesn't. Right, because you got to know I've ran this offense, totally. the version of this offense, totally. That is a basic. You want to hit the. We're rarely ever going to throw that fade. Sure. And if you listen to Keelan in the post game, he mentioned how Clifton was like they're baiting the out, the out to junior, right. the five yard. It's a mirrored route. You run the five yard outs on each side, and they got the more routes, mandatory outside release by Keelan. That's what he ran. It's a fade, but he's trying to protect uh, junior on the in route. Mm-hmm. And number three jumped it, and Clifton threw the the fade. But I don't. I mean, yes, you can see the evolution, but also that's something that we've done for sure time, some time now. Yes. So I don't so much. I mean. I'm not saying that they haven't evolved. I'm not trying to say sure, anything like sure, that. Sure, Obviously, sure. this offense looks way different than it looked earlier in the season. But that's that's a basic – you put that in day one. That's day one install. That's just an adjustment that you make on the sidelines. And right. I commend Clifton. Now, this is where you can say the offense has evolved is Clifton being able to communicate with the receivers like, hey, I noticed this. This is what we're going to do. And especially to make that throw – Backed up in your own end zone, yeah. like the fact that they're throwing it. I mean, I guess that's what you're trying to say is that the fact that they're throwing it right inside their own end zone. Right. Yes, for sure. That's that's risky. Well, it's, it's great insight <laughs> uh, because it, it does. I mean, it, it takes the quarterback making the decision to do this at, yeah. the, at the beginning of the day, right? Oh yeah. And uh, you know, I, I guess I'm just so used to seeing when they're down there. Hey, three runs. You know, three Nick Osmos, two yards yeah. apiece, and then let's punt it because yeah. we're gonna just you know kick your ass on defense anyway. Yeah. So. That might be the Coach P's influence playing a little bit in there as well. Old Works Golf Course is one of the most challenging tracks you will find anywhere in Montana, and that's why they host so many of the premier golf tournaments around the Treasure State. The 18-hole course measures at more than 7,700 yards, making it one of the longest courses in the Big Sky State. The Jack Nicholas design comes from one of the best players of all time and one of the world's leading course designs. Jack Nicholas has designed over 310 courses, including this gem located in Anaconda, Montana. Although right now, golf season is coming to a close, 
The Old Works Golf Course PGA Improvement Center, featuring PGA professional Andrew Alamey, is now open all winter. Andrew can help you with expert swing and mental coaching, plus custom club fitting, and they have multiple state-of-the-art track band simulators. If you're ready to get into golf or take your game to the next level, call Old Works 406-563-5989. And be sure to check out Jack's Grill while you're there. Jack's Grill is also open year-round. Old Works Golf Course, a gem of the Treasure State, located in Anaconda. To Montana. What else did you like about uh, what Montana did? I mean, I thought they just had sacks, stayed on their heels, especially pretty much the entire last three quarters. I think, man, I think they're really fine in a way to get their weapons. And I think this goes into Coach Pease and what he's doing well. But I think they're really, I mean, one thing that is for certain that I know, Clifton is the quarterback for this offense. Yep. I don't think it's any debate. I, I love Kiali Iyat. I think he's going to be very good player. But I think the rest of this season, you just stick with Clifton. Yep. I mean, just he's proven it week in and week out. He threw his first pick of the season last week, and it was barely, just barely, almost scraped the ground. I mean, yep. it, it's tough, but I think they're really finding a way to get their um, athletes to football. You know, um, Aaron is emerging. Junior is going to do what he does. Keelan's getting in there. I mean, Eli, I don't I don't think we realize how instrumental Eli has been for this offense. Yeah, Gillen's been excellent. He's, he's I mean, probably going to be the freshman of the year in the country. I hope. He's going to be the freshman of the year in the league for sure. Oh, for sure. For sure. Yeah. I, I mean, can you think of any other freshman? No. Well, I mean, he's, you know, he, <laughs> I mean, he if he keeps going, he's going to have close to a thousand yards yeah. probably. He's already got 700 something. He's got yeah. nine touchdowns. I mean, yeah, he's, he's balling. Yeah. He, I mean, he's probably going to be uh, probably second team all league as a freshman which is pretty cool that's pretty cool so I would say the two things that I've noticed from this offense is the ability to get our athletes the ball and um the emergence of Eli I think I mean because if you think in past years we've always had injuries at running back or we always haven't had a running back that could do it all I feel like Eli can do it all he can catch out the backfield he can run in between the tackles run outside the tackles he can make guys miss he can run you over like I feel like he's got got the full package and just his ability to be able to keep us honest on the ground, you know, I think it's been instrumental. I, I feel bad for, like, Xavier Harris and, and Isaiah yeah. Childs because, you know, they're good players, and this guy just comes in, and not only does he have all that stuff you just said, he's also really durable too, yeah. right? So, yeah. I mean, they want to run a multi-back system, but it's been a two-back system this year. That's it because Osmo's been able to stay healthy. I love Osmo. I do too, and uh, he's been able to stay healthy, and Gilman's just a beast, man. Like, yeah. I mean, Gilman it's is – tough. He's so tough, man. And, uh, yeah, so, the, you know, those guys, they'll get they'll get their moment if it comes about. But right. um, the other thing that you just can't understate is just the the noticeable improvements of the way that this team has been able to play. Like, they mm-hmm. went from scraping by against Idaho State to a month later – I mean, they won their last two games by the score 70, 74 to seven. Like, yeah, they're they're Rolling. boat racing people. Back. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that's uh, a huge testament to the, the system. I, have I, we have we talked about the fact that Clifton? Have me and you? I know I've spoken about it with some other people, but have me and you talked about the fact that Clifton got there in the summer? Mm, that's a really good point. It plays a big part. Right. Sam got there in in uh, January, January, right? Or even so he December, had, yeah. Yeah, December somewhere at that time. Right. He got winter here winter, winter. winter. Yeah. And he had a whole spring padded practices. If you think about Clifton, Clifton got here during the summer. You only do PRPs. You're not in pads. So I talked about on my breakdown either at the beginning or at the end. I know I spoke on it, but um, – that is huge, and yeah. that would explain the the growing pains early on in the season, the switching quarterbacks. I mean, 
I think obviously they still want to do – I think – I mean, Coach Houck has mentioned he wants to do two-quarterback system. I don't think you do that the way Clifton is playing. We can get in that another time. But I think it's it goes understated that Clifton wasn't here uh, all winter. He never yeah. had padded practice with these guys. He barely got live padded reps with these guys. So you see the growing pains. But then when you see he finally gets his, bearing, his, uh, his feet underneath him and learns the offense, learns the rhythm with Coach Pease, learns the rhythm with the receivers, you see it's blossoming. And you see he has talent. Excuse me. You see, he has talent. You see, he's able to, like, he's able to do it all. And uh, I just think it, it, it's, it's. We underestimate how important it is to be able to get live reps and and things like that with your receivers and your coach. When it comes to the receivers, Bobby Houck has always loved to rotate a, a whole bunch of guys, six, seven. Oh, yeah. he, he wants to play the whole two deep, and then maybe even one more. Oh yeah. Sometimes, there, there has got you know, Rocket Soy Rocketelli gets some snaps, and Drew Deck gets a few snaps, but it's mostly Absolutely three guys, guys right? Yeah. Do you think that helps him? I I think it does. I think 100% it helps. When we I remember when we had Dalton, um, we really were getting a bulk of the snaps, and then my senior year after COVID is really when like we would rotate pretty hefty heavily. Like it would be me and Mitch one drive, and then to be like Mitch and uh, what am I saying? Simp Ryan Simpson Simp, one drive, right. and then it'd be me and Simp or me and Aaron or me and you know we wrote started rotating a lot. But I remember when Maury was here in 2019, 2018, it was like. It was like us, and then Mitch would get in there sometimes. Sure, right. But we had Jerry obviously on the inside, and Solcer was getting in there. But there was like not a lot of rotation going on, and obviously we had Keenan. I forget about Keenan in 2018, but it was like yep. me, Maury, and Keenan really yep. 2018 that yep. were rotating. 2019 it was me, Maury, and Mitch on the outside. I'm talking about the outside, but mm-hmm. yeah, I think that that plays a big part in you know the success of the receivers, the passing game, and all that. I've thought this for a long time because college football. Coaches love to play a whole bunch of guys. It helps add to your creativity. It also keeps Depth. more guys happy. It, yeah. it develops stuff, all that sort of stuff. And I, I do think you can get away with doing it, and you can actually do it at a really efficient level in certain ways. But I also think sometimes it's detrimental because, like to me, and this is no offense to those other guys, I don't want Aaron Fonson to, to come off the field. At all. Or <laughs> Junior Bergen There's always the a chance field, that he right? can do what he did on that bang That's, route. Right. There's always a chance, even though it got right. called back that long right. double pat, the dog, dub, double move where he had the hitch and go, caught it deep. It got called back, but there's always the chance that he can do that. And not saying the other guys can't, but it's like, I'm going to bet on my guy. And that's one thing I notice in professional football with the stars is like, you know, you go through training camp, you earn your spots. and But it's like, once they decide the starters after training camp, it's like, unless the guy gets hurt right. or something catastrophic happens, it's like, these are the guys that are going to be on the field. That's right. If they're healthy, maybe they get a breather here or there. That's right. Like, we want the guys that we chose in training camp, the guys that we saw prove it in training camp. We want those guys on the field. Right. So it's like – and I noticed that, and I was like, man, it's vastly different. I don't know how other schools operate. I'm sure other schools operate where their guys are their guys. But I remember at Montana we had a rotation, and obviously I was the starter, but, you know, I would rotate with guys. And sure. It's just vastly different in pro football, and um, I agree with you that I want Aaron Fonson on the field. Every play that he's healthy, every play that he's available to be on the field, like, I need him out there. Same with Junior, same with Keelan. Like, those are our guys, you know? So um, they've proven it year in and year out, and why not let them continue to do it? Well, let me ask you this. As somebody that's still a young man who's still playing professional football, I also think, and I think this in basketball all the time too, I think that the coaches get in their heads about keeping guys fresh. Yeah. You're like 20. You don't need to be fresh, right? Like, I yeah. mean, Aaron Maybe Watson, a breather. Right, you you just got you caught a but, couple in a row or whatever you yeah. you know you ran a go route or whatever, yeah. but you don't need like a couple series off to get fresh, right? No, you don't. <laughs> and I always I always thought that. So 
I, I think, always think this with like a mod Rory, like when he was playing for the Grizz, like this dude doesn't need to get out, come right. out of the game. This dude is the most supremely <laughs> conditioned athlete. He doesn't need to come out of the game. I um I would agree with that players need a little bit more rest or you want to keep them more fresh. Maybe if you're in northern Arizona, southern Utah, sure. you know, places where there's altitude where you are going to get tired, more tired faster. But when you're at home, when you're in like – no, have our guys. We need our guys in there. I agree 100%. We need our guys in there. It doesn't matter what the situation is. Like, these guys train. We did conditioning all summer. Like, they're ready. Just let them prove it. It's ironic to watch the Grizz offense because they're playing way less skill guys, which I think has been beneficial to oh, them. Yeah. And they're rotating heavily on the offensive line, which is, is fascinating to watch. I, I, th- yeah. I think both of those sort of minute but impactful changes have made a difference. Also, I'll say this, too, is like, when you play your guys and don't rotate early on in the season, you get your lungs underneath you faster. You're getting in game shape. Because obviously you do training camp and you do practices and scrimmages and stuff, but there's nothing like the game. Right. And when you're constantly rotating in the game early on in the season, it's harder for you to get in that 100% game shape. You know, So, um, yeah, I think them playing less skill guys is awesome. I love to see it. These guys are, man, I'm just, I'm just elated. So when you, go to, when you, when you sort of um, balance it, it's a decisive win for the Grizz. They deserve, uh, you know, all the praise they're getting right now. It's crazy how much that they've grown and changed the narrative of their season over the last month or so. Where are we at with Sac State though? Because Sac Sac's fascinating, right? They yeah. they have three league losses, but they're two of the best three teams. Yeah. But I, who have they actually beat? I mean, they beat Stanford early. Their right. their conference wins are like Northern Colorado and right. Cal Poly. So like, where I guess they play Cal Poly this week, but. You know what I'm, I mean? They beat NAU by one. Like they're just their resume is very weird. I think Sac State's not the bottom. Obviously, they're not the bottom of the Big Sky. I think they're the middle of the pack. But you know, all the top teams playing each other was going to show us who the real sure. teams are in the Big Sky. Unfortunately for Sac, they they ran through the gauntlet just like everybody else. I mean, honestly, everybody played the gauntlet. And if you're talking about Montana State, Idaho, and Montana, we That's all right. played the gauntlet. We're going to play Montana State next week. But I think they're one of the better teams in the Big Sky. But they're not on the same level as Montana, Idaho, and Montana State. Because we we saw it. You right. played all three. You lost all three. Yeah. So it's like they're still a really good team. They beat Stanford. I don't know how good Stanford is. Right. I mean, I haven't seen the record. They've gotten better as the season's gone on. They were very, very bad early. They're getting better lately, but they're still they're a down Pac-12 team. They're a good sure. team. They're a playoff team. They're not uh, one of the top teams in the Big Sky. Yeah, it's be interesting because I think that Sack will get right this week against Cal Poly. That'll give them their seventh win. Mm-hmm. But then the Davis game is going to be for a playoff spot, probably. If if UC Davis can win an Idaho State, yeah, get you to think six. UC Davis could potentially get in the playoffs? If they win this week, they'll be six and four, and they played an all D one schedule. And so yeah. then if they were to beat Sack, then both of them would be seven and four. And I think yeah. the committee would basically have to pick between those two, or maybe both get in, but they have yeah. to play like road. First round games, yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll see. But I mean, I, I don't know. I think a seven win Davis team with beating the, Sac State. I mean, the win over Sac would be a, their best win. Right? But then, would you say that? Would you say that them beating Sac would then for sure confirm that Sac was not one of the top? I mean, yeah, that's what people are going right. to say, right? If then Sac gets four losses to a UC Davis team that's been middle of the pack anyway all year, yeah. then you're talking about like maybe this Sac team isn't that good. The the thing that's the Going to be the advantage for their playoff resume is just the fact that they went three and zero in the non conference. Yeah, and Stanford playing an all D one and beating an FBS that's yeah. going to help them. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think if both, I, I think if they both finish seven and four, I think they both get in. Yeah, I think that would be good for the Big Sky. I think it would be good for the Big Sky too. They'd both have to go on the road probably in the first round, but uh, we'll see. Um, 
Do you watch any? Do you watch much of the cat stuff, or you're just you're busy in Wisconsin? Man, who's the, who did they play? Northern Arizona. No, I did not watch that game. Uh, I was, actually thought about breaking it down, but I was like, I just don't want to like. It's gonna be running it the whole game. Like, <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't think I really need well, to break that, that down. That was the. Uh, I mean, you could see. You know, this is what we've talked about the last couple of weeks. Is that one of the keys to success in college football is just being able to have self awareness and adjust the things that you know are going wrong and. Uh, I thought a lot of what went wrong against Idaho was, I mean, they just had a hard time making the right read in the RPO yeah. stuff. They made the right read the whole first half. I mean, it yeah. was like a, it was like a beautiful thing if you love this kind of <laughs> offense. Tommy was giving the ball when he needed to. He's keeping it when he needed to. I mean, they ran crazy. It was there's, I mean, they scored on all four of their first half possessions. And wow, just gashed NAU. So, uh, Cats are back on track for sure. They got Eastern coming to town. This is such a weird matchup because it's such a bad matchup for Eastern. Yeah. Eastern has such a hard time with Stopping these run. power run teams. Yeah. You know, they're built for speed. They're not built for power. So I, I think the Cats are just going to run it down their throats. So we'll, we'll see if Eastern can offer any resistance. But I, I think Montana State's uh, pretty pretty focused on getting a couple in a row to, to come into the rivalry game, which then yeah. brings us to the, the trip to Portland. What do we think of, of uh, the Grizz going out to the West Coast? I mean, there's been lots of talk about trap game, trap game. To me, yeah. it just seems like this Grizz team is so focused. I don't know if that's a narrative. Yeah, um, it's definitely a trap game. You can't get around that. I think they just have to take care of business. I mean, just do what you've been doing. Put it, put it all in Clifton's hands. I think he can handle the pressure. Allow him to make the right decisions in the run game and the pass game. Um yeah, just do what we've been doing. Don't try to switch anything up. Don't try to treat this game any differently. Same with, I mean, I'm not even going to talk about it, but let's just take care of business this week. I think I think they won't have any trouble taking care of business this week. I think it should be, I think we should roll smoothly. But, you know, I'm not, yeah, I think we should roll smoothly. <laughs> what it's are your a, thoughts? I mean, I, I just think that, first of all, I think Portland State losing last week, um, it just it it knocks down what this game means for them. Yeah. Now, so I don't know that could, they could be two sides to that though, right? On one hand, if they would have won last week, they could still kind of be a, a bubble playoff team, and then beat Montana would definitely make you, yeah. uh, you know, a, a team with a playoff at least consideration resume. On the other hand, now they're out of the playoffs. They got five losses. Maybe that makes this their Super Bowl. Yeah. Who knows? Honestly. This is a crazy thing to say. Portland State have a better chance of beating Montana if this game was in Missoula. You think? Because there'd be way more juice, and Portland yeah. State loves the juice. That yeah. you played out there. I mean, yeah. that game winner. The, the, I mean, but you played out in Portland, man. Like, oh yeah, it's not. I mean, you're playing at a high school stadium. Yeah. There's nobody there. Like, it's like, it's too bad because they used yeah. to play downtown Portland, and they'd get a good crowd. You know, they played like in a soccer stadium. Yeah, right. right? Yeah. And it was it's a cool venue, and they'd get ten thousand people. You know, so it's wow. like a fine crowd. You Why know? did they change it? The city like kicked them out. Basically, they like annexed them. It's so dumb. Why? Because they had a bunch of conflicts with the pro soccer teams, uh, like and Portland State doesn't have enough sway. Uh, yeah, they should have just. Yeah, th- th- that's a whole different. Was it deal. the Sounders? Uh, it's the Timbers. The, the Sounders Timbers. are in uh, Seattle. Seattle okay, yeah, okay. and then there's also the, the the Thorns, which are like the most popular women's soccer team in Portland. Yeah. Wow. So they, they just had some scheduling conflicts. I don't. Know, I just feel bad for them because I do, I think Portland State if they had a home. Could get it rolling a little yeah. bit. It's hard. It's hard when you don't have, like, when the opposing team always has as many fans as you do. Right. I mean, it's tough. Like Coach Barnum says, he get, brings kids on visits, and they, you know, they walk all around campus. They go to Nike. They go to Pearl Street Books. They go to all these cool places in Portland, and then, you know, 
pull he'll, up to the stadium. He'll take them to the stadium if they ask. But if they don't ask, he's like, yeah, yeah, we'll just look at it on the, you know. That's like me on my Montana visit <laughs> in 2015. They took me to see everything. But uh, I asked, I remember I asked Maury and Brennan when they had took their visit. I was like, did you guys see the locker room? They're like, uh, yeah, we saw the locker room. I was like, dang, they didn't take me to the locker room. <laughs> I'm from Oklahoma, the biggest high school in Oklahoma. Our locker right. room, we got an indoor facility. Our right. weight room, right. is, our right. locker rooms. So it doesn't surprise me that they didn't take me right. to the locker room. But that reminded me of the all, Portland State. All the guys I went to school with about Montana, they're always, they're so funny because they, they used to show those guys the locker room, but they'd tell them they're building a new one. Right. And they didn't build the thing never, in for 10 more years. Didn't they years. tell kids for years oh, that they for were years. building for a new more, facility? For more than a decade. All my <laughs> friends thought they were coming here and they were going to get the champion center. It didn't happen for another 10 years, so they're salty about it. But I don't know. I think that those those busted old locker rooms they used to have, I actually think there was a certain element of like advantage there for the Grizz, though, right? How you, so? Because it keeps you sharp. Yeah. I think that not having glitzy, glamorous things across the board is actually better for, for humans in general. When it, Sometimes. I'll agree with you. I like the old weight room. Yeah. The fact that it's like, you know, dark. Yeah. Get real sweaty in there. You yeah, know, it's yeah. that, that grind feeling. The locker yeah. room so much, I don't know. No, We're for on sure. Top I mean, of each other well, in that it, it, it got to the point where it was actually like a <laughs> It's like a health thing, yeah. right? <laughs> One guy gets sick, everybody gets sick. Yeah, right? like somebody gets meningitis just other. as bad. Yeah, 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 yeah. But the weight room, I love the old weight room. Oh my yeah. gosh, we used to get it in and there. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. My gosh, for sure, for sure. I don't know. I just I think about this all the time because like, if just having all the nicest stuff meant you were going to just win national championships, then Oregon would win national championships all Dax. the time, and Oregon doesn't. They don't, and there's a reason for that. Yeah. But you're, then Alabama has all the nicest stuff. That's true too. Georgia but, has all but, the nice yeah, stuff. And that, that's where it comes down to culture. Yeah. Oregon's culture is look at our uniforms. Yeah. Look at how pretty we look. Like look at all our graphics. Look at all this stuff. Alabama's Whereas like, Alabama's culture is we win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got the nice stuff, but it came from us right? winning first. I mean, I'll never forget Dakota Prukop telling me because he went on a visit there when he was transferred from the Cats, and he was between Oregon and, and Alabama. Right. He's like, man, the reason I chose Oregon because they just told me I had an opportunity. He's like, Saban, he's walking you around, and he's like. Hey, you think you want to prove yourself? You want to be good enough to play for me? Come here, I'll make, maybe give you a chance. Right. There was no like you're going to be our guy. It was like, but you got to respect that. Though. Oh, you absolutely have to respect, it. and that's why their their program is so strong because the guys that want to come in and get anointed and get, be given stuff, they they're not. That's not for Alabama. You come in here and you work. Okay, if you yeah. want a spot, you're going to earn the spot. Yep. Even if we know you're the best player in the country, you're right. not just going to come here and be given something. Right. And I respect that. I no, respect the heck out of that. Uh, me too. And that's I think why I think that Georgia and Alabama share that. I think that's why they're mm-hmm. rolling along. Okay, last thing for you. Um, what do you think of the uh, the college football uh, playoff rankings right now? I don't they follow the Ohio FBS. State. Yeah, Ohio State's ahead Michigan. of Ohio State's one. Uh, Georgia's two. two Michigan's Michigan, three. And Florida State. And Florida State. And then, and then Washington, and Oregon. Washington and Oregon. Okay. Um, I like Florida State up there. I think they're a good team. I like Jordan Travis a lot. Um, number one. Gosh, I just went blank. Who? who who's number one? Ohio oh, State. Ohio State. Yeah, Ohio yeah. State. I don't know so much about Ohio State's quarterback. Right. And I mean, they have all the talent around him. I just don't know so much about him. Obviously, they've proven it. They've, they're winning week in and week out. But how often have we said that about Ohio State's quarterback? Year after rarely. year, rarely. <laughs> I mean, like so often they they're like guys. They're like, yeah, it's pretty good. But he also has so much talent around him. Yeah, yeah. That's why know. those guys are underrated or overrated when they get to the NFL too. Yeah. Right? I mean, who who besides C.J. Stroud is really from their quarterbacks is really right, exactly blossomed like right. that. Justin Fields. Big- should and if he was not in Chicago, I think he'd have a better chance. Yeah, that's t- that's a tough situation to be put in. But yeah, no, I mean you know Troy Smith and I mean they've had a lot of guys that were yeah. Barrett, call- yep. JT Barrett, yep. Um, yep. 
God rest the dead, Dwayne Haskins. For sure. You know, they've, they've had a lot of good quarterbacks, to be honest. They have, but a lot of guys that have struggled to. Cardell to, Jones. Yeah, for sure. Those guys <laughs> struggle at the top level, though. I don't know. I just don't follow the FBS that much because I'm always so in, engulfed in the big sky and the FCS. So Yeah. Um, there's a lot of people that think it's controversial that Ohio State is ahead of Georgia. Do you? No, not really. I mean, it doesn't really – I mean, I guess it kind of matters. I don't think it so much matters. If you're in the top four, that's all you want. I mean, who cares about one, two, three, four? You get right. a chance to go to the national championship. Like, that's all you can ask for. Well, these big-time conferences, too, like you're going to get the chances to prove yourself, right? Because yeah. you're going to play in the SEC championship or the Big exactly. Ten championship or whatever. And, exactly. You know, you're going to have these massive games that you well, if you win them, you're just going to be in the playoff. Yeah. Oh, man, I still wish the Big Sky had a – championship game man i we, i thought about this and i talked about this a lot because the reason that they don't is because of the the playoff format right they don't want their best team losing the, the top two teams are gonna get in the playoffs no matter what out of the big sky right? right so giving one of them a loss would probably negatively impact their seating right yeah. like let's say you had idaho and, and montana two versus three play for the Big Sky title. Then the loser of that game is probably going to drop to like six. Yeah. That's why they don't want to do it, I think. I get that. But, I mean, I, I, I just – I don't know. Because I feel like there's some years like 2019, we lose to the Cats. But, you know, right. if we play a championship game, I think we have a strong chance of beating them. And obviously, right. you know, Sac State was right. there. So we might not have even got a chance Well, that's to interesting them. too because the, the rivalry game has always been the last game of the year. That's not true. For the last – 35 years it's been the last game of the year. They used to play it in the middle of the year. Really? And I think that's kind of better, to be honest. In some ways, I agree. Because it's awesome to have, like, Montana's Super Bowl, you know, it culminates. Right. But also some people, a lot of fans, treat it bigger than even the playoffs, which right. is crazy to me, right? right? Like, I mean, you've been a part of this where oh, yeah. the rivalry game is fully sold out and it's crazy. And then, like, the first playoff game's nice crowd. But, empty, it, though. Yeah, but there's, yeah. like, thousands of empty seats. That's yeah. crazy, right? Yeah. Uh but then there's also the same dynamic we're talking about. Like, this year is going to be a perfect example of that. There are going to be two top five teams, and one of them is going to lose. Yeah. And that's going to impact their seeding. Yeah. I think both these teams and deserve – it's a championship game, basically, Both right? these teams deserve a top four seed. But, oh, yeah. But they're not, that's not going to happen. The loser is probably going to get the 5-6-7 five, six, five, six, yeah. just because it's the last game of the year. I think that's sort of silly. Do you think college game day would make a return? I'm hearing rumblings. I heard. Is I'm it, hearing rumblings. What is the game? There's like one big game I'm that hearing, week. I, so here's what it's going to come down to is they're talking about Washington, Oregon State, yeah, and yeah, Corvallis. Yeah, yeah. And come on now. If Washington and Oregon State both win this week, I think they're going to have a hard time not going to oh, Corvallis. Man. That's so lame. Yeah, I don't know. I'm sort of torn about it because on one hand, I want I w- it would be wonderful for Missoula to get it. I mean, it would be so cool for my hometown to get you know to get the display and all that. Yeah. There's a, there's also like the redundancy of it, like the rivalry. Maybe I would love them to come back to Missoula in a couple years, so yeah. it's not like Bozeman, Missoula. You know what I they mean? They should have done 21, man. They should have done 21. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, for oh sure. Oh my god! For that sure. Was a perfect year. I know. And then the other thing I'm torn up about is I think it's so cool to display all this stuff, but that I also like as a Montanan, I don't want to show anybody else what we yeah, got. Don't come here. here. Don't come here. <laughs> exactly. We don't need any more Yellowstone exposure. So Man, yeah, and then the picker they did last year. I don't know too much about him, but he was a Yellowstone guy, right? Yeah. The the game who picked the games or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They should have done a Montana. Right. For sure. <laughs> <laughs> like, why not bring Troy? Troy have him, right. Have him pick. For sure. Or Mark. 
right. or somebody who somebody. played in the rivalry or knows more about right, the rivalry right. than somebody who's an actor. Right. No offense to him, but totally. let's be real. I I'm told- not even from Montana. I, I feel this way. <laughs> totally, right? I know. Who would be, if, if it was in Missoula, if game day came to Missoula in two weeks, who would be the ideal picker? J.K. Simmons would be an interesting one because he's, yeah. a, he's a Montana alum. Um, I think Phil Knight. Ooh, Phil Knight would be an interesting one for sure. Eric Sprunk, who was like Phil Knight's right-hand man. Eric Sprunk's from Missoula. Man. Uh, Mark. Yeah, Mariani would be an interesting one for sure. I'm trying to think of somebody who's like really like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't. I mean, I don't know too much Missoula history or people sure. who are from Missoula or even Montana, so much Montana history. But I feel like there's definitely some candidates out there. Yeah, for sure. Well, that would be fun if it, uh, it came back. We'll keep you in the loop as uh, as we uh, hear. Anything else to add before we get you out of here? Um, Man, go check out my breakdown from this week. Yep. Really good video. Yep. Um, Samuel Kim 18 on YouTube. I'm excited for the Grizz, man. I think they just got to take care of business. I'm excited for the Big Sky, man. I think the end of the season is going to be awesome. It's yeah. been awesome. I can't state enough. It's been awesome watching the top teams play each other. Yes. Even though Sac State has lost all of them, they finally get to see what it's like on this side of yeah. the – you yeah. Because we always play Weber. We always play right. Idaho. Right. We play Montana State. They've been kind of – you know, they've, they've got an easy job the last couple of For years. For sure. So, um, nothing against them. I think uh, their former head coach did an amazing job. Obviously, you don't win three Big Sky championships just by fluke. He did. He did a good job. But I'm glad that the top teams are getting to play each other. I'm. I'm really happy about it. Well, the next time we come to you, will actually not be on the Big Sky Breakdown. It'll be on Nuanas Now on ESPN Radio because next Wednesday we're doing a little. We're taking the show on the road. We're gonna go to Anaconda, which will be very fun. Uh, Anaconda, sort of like the epicenter of the football world right now. Cause you got yeah. the Highway One boys for oh, the Grizz yeah. that are balling. There's a couple guys. With Anaconda ties on the cat side of things as well, and they've invited us over there. Uh, you're doing a, a talk. Yeah, I'm so you, speaking. You've been doing some public speaking to yes. groups of, of mostly youth, right? Yes. Um, I spoke at Florence High School for Coach Duchesne and his team. Um, I can't say enough good words about Coach Pat Duchesne. He's awesome. His son plays at Montana State. They're rolling, man. Man, they're rolling. That's a great um, program. It's, great. A, it's very impressive to see what they've done down there. Man, he's awesome. I hope they get that third in a row. I I want to ask you this. You know a lot about Montana High School. Sorry if we're going over time. No, it's all good. What is um has ever because Coach Duchesne was was asking me about this when I went and spoke. He's has there ever been a high school football team that won three straight? Man, I was thinking this uh, in terms of eleven man. I don't think so. There's okay. there's been some crazy dynasties in the small. I mean, like, like Drum, Drummond. Drummond when okay. Chase Reynolds was there won, won like six out of seven. Wow. I mean, I told you this story, but we used to, like, when I was in high school, Chase was only a year younger than me. We would go drive to Drummond to go watch them because they played on Saturday afternoons. And we just drive over. It's only 45 minutes, right? Yeah. And we're like, well, we got to go see this. I mean, this dude was rushing for like 300 yards and six touchdowns every single week. It was like, it was crazy to watch. And then that's why, that's why sometimes, like, the, oh, this guy's only a walk on at Montana. He's a total underdog. Like, sometimes those stories get overtold a little bit, you know, because, yeah. like, Chase was, you know, coming from eight, man, it's a big learning curve or whatever. But, like, the dude was a dude since he was 14 years old. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, And that goes back to what we talked about that one day at, uh, where sure. were we eating at? Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. About just the small town guys. Yes. They've always been the best. They don't know yes. anything different. They don't know anything different. Like, Chase <laughs> Reynolds, when he got his first, they were trying to play him at receiver, and he was struggling, and then they put him at running back. He rushed for, like, 200 yards against Northern Colorado, and oh, the rest yeah. is history. So. Yeah. Um, I'll look that up. I'll, I'll look that up for Coach Deshane because I, I I would be interested to know there was a there was a run that Sydney had back in the day in Class A that was pretty. It's impressive. like way east, right? Yeah, uh, upper right hand corner. Yeah, right. that's where uh, uh, Matt no Michael McGinnis is from. No, oh, yeah, Michael McGinnis. Yeah, Just hawk down 
CJ Verdell for Oregon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's when everybody was like, wow, he's kind of fast. <laughs> he's pretty fast, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that goes back to you got a small town Sydney, yep. Montana kid yep. from the middle of nowhere, yep. Montana, chasing down a, a guy at Oregon. A guy at Oregon, probably a four or five star recruit. Yeah, at Austin like, Stadium. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome, man. That's what makes this level great. Uh, I'll get back to you on Patrick State. Anyways, we'll be in Anaconda next week. Uh, Sam will be joining us on Nuanas now. We'll also have Sam Herter on the show, and uh, we'll also have a bunch of Bobcats and Grizz stuff for you. Uh, when Sammy's on, we'll be breaking down the pivotal elements of this upcoming matchup and also maybe give you a review of some of the top uh, matchups in the rivalry's history as well. Man. Uh, so stay tuned for that. But uh, looking forward to it, man. Thanks for oh, being yeah. here. Appreciate you for having me, man. Well, we love new friends here at the Big Sky Breakdown, and we have a new presenting sponsor, spearheading our new expansion, Vandals Weekly, but also as a part of the Big Sky Breakdown as a whole, Old Works Golf Course in Anaconda. It's an iconic place, a Jack Nicholas course. If you've never been there, you've never seen it, you got to look up pictures and you got to go check it out. The sand traps, which are prevalent and very challenging, they are all over the place, and they're filled with black sand. It is an unbelievable visual spectacle to see. And that, plus the elements and the way that it's carved into the mountainside there, it makes it an incredibly challenging course. For all you Bobcat and Grizzly people, if you're in Missoula, in Bozeman, in western Montana, in southwestern Montana, it's a perfect center point right in the middle of everything. And the Old Works Golf Course PGA Improvement Center featuring PGA professional Andrew Alamey is now open all winter long. Expert swing and mental coaching for you all off-season. They also have custom club fitting, multiple state-of-the-art trackman simulators. If you're ready to get into golf or take your game to the next level, call Old Works to schedule your winter session, 406-5. 5989 that's 4065635989 there's a lot of things that make montana great from the mountains and lakes to some of the finest towns in the west but what really makes this place special is you our communities are full of people who are working hard to build good lives and remarkable things at opportunity bank our passion is helping folks do just that together we can make a good thing even better Opportunity Bank of Montana. Stop by and see us or visit us online. Member FDIC. Big Sky Breakdown, SkylineSportsMT.com. Ty Gregorak joining us now here on the Big Sky Breakdown. And uh, it's crazy. I think a lot of us around the state of Montana that cover all this stuff, we are itching in anticipation for what looks like the showdown maybe of our lifetimes just in terms of the overall rankings. There's always been big-time ramifications when Montana and Montana State meet. But as of right now, both teams in the top five, and uh, both teams look like they're on a collision course. But before we get to any of that stuff, they still got one more week left to take care business before that collision course culminates. Montana plays at Portland State this weekend, and Montana State hosts Eastern Washington, their final regular season home game at Bobcat Stadium. Uh, Coach Ty, first of all, let's just talk about last week. Um, We had all sorts of commentary and uh, analysis and some criticism about Montana State coming out of the game at Idaho, and uh, man, Cats put all that to rest. I thought that their first half, specifically their first two series, (laughs) <laughs> Anybody that said run the damn ball, well, they did. And uh, they, they pretty much uh, washed out that taste from the Idaho loss pretty darn quick. What did you think of the Cats and Bozeman last week? Well, I thought they looked good. Um, you're right. I mean, they, they ran the ball. I, I, I know you probably know this better than I do. I don't, how many times in a row did they run the ball? Nine times? Nine on the first yeah. drive, yeah. Yeah, you know, so successful. They started fast, you know, which is just something, I mean, they didn't, 
they didn't really start at all <laughs> at Idaho, except for maybe the third quarter, they came out uh, swinging and, and, and looked sharp. But yeah, I mean, they, they ran the ball. I mean, I said it on air. I, I can't imagine what the running back room looks like healthy. You know, when, when all those guys are healthy, they're, they're just loaded. I mean, they're all good players. Um, Julius Davis, I mean, he, my goodness, that guy is a good he, – he, he might be one of the best running backs at this level right now. I, just, I think he's really, really good. Scott Trey Humphrey, I mean, you saw him healthy. He, you know, he, he, he's a dude. Uh, you know, uh, Jared White, Lane Sumner's getting reps again, meaning he's, he's back in the healthy column, you know. So I thought uh, Tommy looked sharp. Uh, you can kind of see the, the linebacker depth kind of rearing its ugly head without Danny Yu. I know, I know he's fighting hard to get back uh, in, in particular for the one next week, obviously it doesn't help them this week, but, um, yeah, I mean, they, they, they look good. They look, they look sharp and, 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 and you know what they needed to, they really needed a game like that. I mean, there was some, there was some weirdness in it. There were, you know, the, the inadvertent whistle and, um, but against the first defense, I thought the first defense overall looked really pretty sharp. Keep in mind, Drew Polidor is not playing right now, you know? So, I think I think a lot of a lot of guys in the secondary are getting a lot of turns. They're getting better as a secondary uh, week in week out. They got to get some health back at linebacker. Their front four, in my mind, continues to be mostly dominant, um, and that was evident on Saturday, man. Lots of points to get to there. First of all, though, I want to start with with Tommy Malott because we talk about him a lot, and uh, I mean, of course we do. He's he's one of the most. I mean, he's one of the faces of football in Montana right now, and and uh, he's such a spectacular athlete. But you and I have talked a lot about the the way that his mind works, and sometimes when he's processing and maybe over processing, he does. He, he gets a little glitched out sometimes, but then when he finds it, man, is he fun to watch. And I thought the third quarter of that Idaho game and then the first half of the Northern Arizona game, you saw where he can just be so dangerous. I mean, you could you could just see it in his eyes watching him on Saturday. The, uh, the level of focus and just the level of, okay, we know all the things that we did wrong against Idaho. We are not doing that again. It's uh, it's pretty incredible to watch him when he's in the flow because he can just put together. I mean, he put together pretty much four perfect drives in the first half, and uh, it, it was surgical. It was pretty uh, pretty impressive to watch. Well, absolutely. They you know they had twenty eight points in the first half. You take that any day of the week. But yes, he was on target, on point. His running ability on the perimeter is scary. I mean, it, it, it's it's really special. It's just how fluid he is, and how fast he is, and how strong he is. Um, He's a special dude. I mean, he, he he's what fifteen or sixteen and three as a starting starter now. I mean, he, he going back to his days in Butte, he doesn't lose a lot of football games. You know, when when he's starting games, man. So, I mean, he he's just a very special. You don't want to say young talent anymore. As he's a true junior, um, but yeah, he 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 is. You know, and 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 I'll say this too. I mean, you you saw just via game plan slash the ability to meaning, meaning being able to get Sean Chambers on the field. You know, there just wasn't a lot of opportunity uh, to get big number 10 in the Idaho game. And, and they got him in early and they had some packages for him. And, you know, what I said about Tommy Malott and, and his ability to run the football on the perimeter. I mean, my goodness, when you, when you replace that with a dude that between the tackles is just flat, hard to get down and smooth. And, and, and when he gets in the open field, He's a tough to get down, but he is fast for a big, big running, you know, six three, probably a short six four, two hundred and twenty plus pound guy. 
what a what a combination uh, the Bobcats have had in the last couple of years, and and will continue to for at least you know minimum the next two you know two out of four weeks we'll say because uh, we we know they're going to be a playoff team, but he's really uh, he's really going to have left his mark on this program and and had an outstanding productive career when he when he's gotten his turns. Sean Chambers, that is. Well, you also you mentioned the linebackers, and I I have been just fixated on watching that group because it's the one spot on the MSU roster that doesn't have a ton of depth. They have three quality guys with Nolan Askelson, Danny Yu Lakepa, and and Mikael O'Reilly, and of course Danny Yu's been out the last several weeks after getting that arm, his arm all busted up against Sac State. I was really watching Nolan Askelson because I'm working on a a senior profile on him and. You know, all of the stuff about his injuries and all the things that he's come back from, I mean, that's a huge part of the story. But also you watch him out there, and he certainly makes plays, but it's it's his ability to explain it to everybody else that is really so important. I know you've had a lot of guys like that in your career coaching linebackers as well, but, I mean, just how much impact can that make when you do have a guy that his cerebral abilities are pretty, probably, probably even outweigh his, his physical abilities? Well, yeah, it's you got you want to have that guy, especially at linebacker. I mean, you can always point to different leaders throughout a, a, a defense, and there's leadership up front in the front, and there's, you know, they, they lost a little bit of leadership in the back end. Um, you know, with Ty Okada and you know whatever Jeffrey Manning gave them, just from a, a veteran standpoint. Um, I do think Drew Polidor, you know, gives them a lot more options at that safety position if he can get that wrist or hand or you know whatever whatever he did that that, that has required the club um but yeah linebacker wise i mean i and i'm I'm glad to hear that you're doing that i think there's a guy who's so deserving of of the senior profile he's a montana guy he's been in the program a long time i mean nolan (laughs) nolan was in the program my last year with the right. catch, was, which, which was 2018, which is crazy to say. I mean, that, that's for pushing five years ago. Um, you know, so he, he does understand the defense. He understands concepts. He's had great coaching throughout his career. Um, and, you know, he has had to overcome a lot. I mean, he's not a big guy. You know, he, he's not that, you know, I've, I've said it a couple times on television. They don't have, you know, those long rangey linebackers in the program right now. They, they just don't. I mean, AB's a- got a little length and Bullock, you know, but that, that's getting down the list of linebackers. But they're start starting three, if you will, air quoting three with McCade. I mean, McCade is one of, if not the top tackler right now on this defense. But even even when Danny Yu, Nolan, and McCade were all three healthy, McCade was still playing a lot. You know, and that's that's what you want. And that's what they've done the last couple of years. You know, that w- that was kind of Nolan's role. Um, you know, being that third starter, so to speak, that would come in uh, early and often and, and play a lot of football. So, yeah, man, he, he's a he's a sharp dude. He he's well spoken. Great family. I, I just you know I, I feel you feel for those guys when they get booted from a game. Um, you know, like like he did at Idaho, and um, you know for the for the uh, you know the targeting call. You just hate seeing, especially a senior who's already got so few limited opportunities to play football, uh, not get to compete, especially against a good team. I mean, they could have used, uh, they could have used him throughout that, that game. So I'm glad you're doing a profile on him. I, I think the world of, of the young man and what a, what ultimately what a great career he's put together as a, as a linebacker for this cat defense. Let's talk just a little bit about this upcoming matchup with Eastern. Then before we get to uh, the Grizz side of things, Eastern is, it's just so weird. 
that they have just sort of fallen to the middle of the pack. I guess part of it makes sense, but you know they still have some of the entrenched advantages that they've always had. They, they can get good linemen, both sides of the ball, just because that's what the state of Washington will provide you. They can get a different level of walk-on there as well because you know a lot of times like when you're getting walk-ons from in Montana those guys are coming from Lewistown and Haver and stuff the guys that are walking on to Eastern are coming from Tacoma and Seattle and so it's just a different not that small towns big cities are, are you know you can find quality guys everywhere but it's just a, a bigger population base to draw from and they still throw the ball over the yard yet they just have been struggling to kind of find consistency I don't know what do you think of just the fact that Eastern is you know certainly a, a fine Big Sky team, but not in that upper echelon anymore. It's uh, it's crazy. You know, we we as a production crew, we're talking. It's just it is wild to see the likes of of an Eastern Washington or even a Weber State, you know, kind of fall from grace. They're they're always in the mix, and they're just very much not anymore. And I gotta believe they'll get it back. You're so right on the. We, you know, we said that for years in terms of Eastern's recruiting base. I mean, they, they can get partial, low partial, mid partial, high partial, and even in, at times walk on kids out of, you know, Seattle, which has 3 million right there, let alone up and down the coast. And obviously Spokane's got a big population now with, I mean, I mean, the, the, the population of Spokane is half the population of the entire state of Montana. Right. Uh, I mean, that's true. I mean, there, there's over a half a million people in the Spokane area now, let alone going to the west west side, which is you know, millions of people. So, uh, and, and you, it's it's one of the great stories of all time because of the career he had at at, at Eastern, but in the career he's having in the NFL, Cooper Cup. You know, I mean, Cooper Cup is just a great example out of Yakima there. Who who, I mean, there's there's that kind of talent hid, hidden in there that the Huskies didn't go on him, the Cougars didn't go on him, etc. You know, so. It's a, it's it's a tough one, man. I mean, Aaron Best has been. I know I've known Aaron a long time, and he's been in that program a long time. Um, but you can just tell, not and not just by by the record, but just you know, talent wise, there's been a drop off. You know, we're not talking about some of you know g- generational type big sky players that Eastern's been producing for the 20 years you and I've been covering it. You know, they're just not. I mean, there, there's not the 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 quarterbacks and the receivers and and running backs that you know where, where the coach is telling you in the summer like oh I got a surprise for you Ty you know <laughs> next thing you know uh oh dang what's his what's his face uh 22 or Taiwan Jones baby Taiwan Taiwan thank you my goodness how, how do you forget that name Ty, I never forget you know, what he told me a story I I always ask guys why they wear the numbers they wear and I say why do you wear number 22 he goes Bro, because I run four two two. And I mean, truly, the running back coach, the old running back coach, and I were good buddies. And I'll never forget him saying, "Like, wait, wait, wait till you, wait till we uh, show, show you the little surprise we got for you next fall." So, and it was Taiwan getting eligible and running all over the league for the next four years. You know, so yeah, it's it's a tough one. Just uh, they've you know with with what Bo Baldwin uh, inherited slash built up. I mean, it's kind, of, it's kind of, I almost kind of relate it to Boise, you know, Bo, Bo Baldwin didn't start it, but he really elevated the program in, in, onto the national stage and really kind of had a stranglehold of the big sky for a little while. And they've just, they, they've had a pretty dramatic drop-off and we're going to get to talk to those coaches here coming up. Uh, 
uh, this, this later this morning. And um, it's just kind of crazy to see. I mean, and Boise's going through it right now as well. You know, Dan Hawkins didn't build it. Dirk Cutter didn't build it, but they elevated the program. And then obviously Chris Peterson made it <laughs> what, what it, what it became. And, and I mean, it's, it's been a pretty dramatic drop off for the, those guys in the mountain West. So not, 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 not a, you know, a total comparison, but very similar to me when we we're just talking, you know, regional football teams. It's kind of crazy, man. A DUI is a serious charge and the process can be overwhelming, but it doesn't have to be. I'm attorney Dave Maldonado and I have the experience and knowledge necessary to effectively represent you and make the situation manageable. Visit BigSkyDefender.com today. It really is, because it's not like they've fallen all the way to the bottom. Their talent is fine, but that's the whole point that makes it startling is that their talent used to be so great, especially at the top end. I mean, they would have – It's not. All, I mean, the receivers were always ridiculous. The quarterbacks were always ridiculous. But they'd always also always have an NFL offensive lineman or two, and they'd almost always have one or two defensive guys – that were that were going to the league too. I mean, they've had they've put guys from all three levels of their defense in the in the NFL over the last fifteen years. Whether it's you know Samson Ebucom up front or JT Tululi, who probably would have been in the NFL if he wouldn't have gotten in a bunch of trouble, or you know uh, Matt Johnson on the back end. Uh, they've had multiple corners that have gone on to the CFL. I mean, um, Ronnie Hamlin was the all-time leading tackler in Big Sky history for a little while. JC Sherritt was a great player. Greg Peach. Yes. Defensive end that won the Bucks, so it's not just the offense either. I mean, they had a lot of guys that were defensive guys too, and now again they have a whole bunch of fine guys, but they don't have anybody to look to. I mean, right now on their team, uh, the Vesperis kid, the quarterback, he's good quarterback, but he's not like a top three guy in the league. Efton Chisholm's a great receiver; he's probably one of the top five guys in the league, and that's one spot maybe where they're they're holding on. And then everybody else is just kind of okay, you know, better than better than a lot of the bottom, but uh, not as good as a lot of the top. And uh, it's just it's just interesting. You you wonder if how much of this is just those Pac-12 schools in the area getting better. I mean, because Washington's really good right now, and Washington State's pretty good. There was a while there where Wazoo was just flat bad. I don't know. I think there's some some exterior factors that are going on there, but I also just think that maybe they just had their moment in time, and everybody thought that when they were going to semifinal after semifinal and playing in the national championship that they would be able to use that to then parlay themselves to fundraise some money and build you know new facilities, and that just never happened. I mean, they had the, the sort of the blueprint for this gateway project to expand all their facilities. They've had that thing since Paul Wolf was the head coach there, and they haven't done anything to right. to raise any of that money. And then they got pushed back from the faculty and all that. So I don't know. It's just interesting. I, I just think it's the same dynamic as Idaho. When Eastern's good in the league, it's better for the league. But it's almost as if they've been replaced by Idaho in uh, in short order here these last two years. Yeah, all excellent points, man. And and you know you you almost kind of relate them a, a little bit to like an NAU, a team that I just watched, like who's or even a Portland state where they can scare you, you know, they're good enough to scare you. They're good enough to beat you in, you know, NAU's case uh, against, you know, Montana. I mean, Montana is one of the best teams in the country right now, ranked accordingly and NAU beat them, you know, and, and then we watch the game. Now, NAU has always played better at the dome, right? I mean, they, that, that's just, that's historical. That's fact than, than, than playing outside, especially in big environments. But I, you know, I, I use the term, it's kind of like an EKG, you know, a heart monitor. It's just kind of like up, down, up, down, up, down. And you almost, it's almost a little bipolar. You don't know what you're going to get. Early on in the season, we're thinking, okay, we were, we were talking about it, Coulter. We were like, God, is Eastern back a little bit? You know, when they're, when they're taking 
Fresno State to two overtimes, and they you know they got kind of waxed by North Dakota State, but you know beating UC Davis, beating uh, Southeast Louisiana, uh, putting up a heck of a game against Idaho, where you know Idaho's back had like five touchdowns or whatever. Um, you know they, they've had some tough games, forty-one to forty-two at Idaho State, right? I mean they beat Weber. Weber's proven not to be very good. Portland State, you know, the defense gave up 47 points. They scored 35. Usually you'd, you'd hope that would win you a ball game. And then obviously last week, just putting it on a, a, a very poor Cal Poly. But I'm, I'm, I'm curious to, to get to watch this team this week, man, just to kind of see it from my own eyes and, 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 and up close and personal here in Bozeman. And, I mean, obviously a big week. You, you were kind of talking about, or we were talking about it, how massive – the brawl has the potential to be not not that it won't always have a have uh, you know it's, it's no matter what the records are but my goodness you know if both teams can take care of business and i know we're going to get into montana here but they're going to 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 portland that's a little you know again they're they're good enough to scare you you know are they good enough to beat you at hillsboro you know um it's going to be interesting man i i, I just it's a to to your point though. I mean the 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 faculty conflict and it's it, it, I think there's a lot of inner issues, you know, some in, in internal issues that that also have have uh, aided in the fact that Eastern is not one of the pre- premier teams in the Big Sky anymore, and it does not help that a team what an hour down the road in Idaho has resurged and reemerged as one of the league powers. So you know, that, that, that doesn't help, help either. So yeah, man, I'm, I'm excited to watch it this Saturday. Truly. Ty Gregorak here on the big sky breakdown. Um, last couple of things for you. I want to ask you this, cause I, I know what I think, but there's been some, some scuttle that this version of the Grizz reminds people of the two reminds people of the 2008 team, the 08 yep. Grizz uh, were, you know, they, they got pushed early in the non-conference and, and then almost, you know, went down the wire with Central Washington and then lost their conference opener to Weber State and then, of course, famously didn't lose again until the national championship game against Richmond. To me, this team reminds me of the 2009 Grizz. I'll, I'll save why in a little while, for a little while, but you coached on both those teams, Ty. What do you think? Does this Grizz team remind you of any Grizz teams in the past, especially the ones you coached on? Yeah, I mean, maybe a little bit. I think the quarterback situation is definitely different than what we had going there For uh, sure. in those two seasons you, you were talking about. I mean, they, you know, they kind of they kind of played with the the two quarterback system. You know, with Vidlak. I mean, Clifton has you know proven to be the guy, and and I think is. I mean, you've got to watch way more of it than I have, and and you follow it way closer than I do. But getting to watch the Grizz, I mean, he he is a powerful, strong athlete. Um, and fun to and fun to watch, you know. And then obviously with I yacht getting some turns and and uh, yeah, I could see where people kind of relate it to that a little bit. And it's just crazy when you when you start mentioning some of those games. I mean, just the the run we were on there, you know, true true truly unfortunate we couldn't have finished, you know, putting a number one on our ring finger, um, getting two two opportunities in those two years, and and frankly three out of what would we go three three out of five, you know, oh four oh eight oh nine. Um, but yeah, I mean, just watching them, I mean, defensively, you know, their, their, their second and third layer are playing really, really good. I don't know if there's dominant, uh, up front as we were. I know governor's a great player. Uh, am I pronouncing that right? Governor or Goose? You got it. Yeah. Governor um, King pig, baby. He, he, he's a dude. He's a real dude. But you know, when you remember those teams for us, we had, we had like, you know, four to six of those dudes. Up front. Oh yeah. And they, we, 
We did. I mean, it just our, 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 our best defenses at Montana always had, you know, fantastic D linemen going through all the years. Um, so they, they, they're playing really well. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's been fun to watch, uh, that, you know, that sack, Sacramento State's, you know, proven to be an interesting team this year. I, I, I didn't think, I don't know if you would agree with this. I really didn't think that outcome would be as dramatic as it was on uh, Saturday night. Just, just with the tie, you know, just with Andy Thompson and and Chrissy and Craig Paulson on the sideline, and um, and and frankly, Sac State's kind of kind of had their number a little bit lately, you know. And so, it, it's such a such a compliment to Coach Hauk and the job his staff has done. Texted with Coach on Sunday morning, just congratulating him, and you know what a what an honor, what a what a what a what an amazing feat that he just pulled off he and his staff and, and his team by becoming the all-time winningest coach in the history of the league. And that's not easy. I mean, you, you, you saw, you saw the guy he replaced the guy you and I know well on, on that list. Your coach Sowers was in the league a whole heck of a lot longer uh, than coach Houck uh, beating that record, you know, so big time, big time job by those guys. I am, you know, it's, it's so cool to see the full circle in that Coach Houck is competing for a, a Big Sky championship, and he has to face his son on Saturday to to do so, and and obviously a a, a guy who he's known and friends with a long time, and Bruce Barnum, uh, shoot, I mean the Coach Barnum's son is on is on the team, you know, for for Montana. So it's a uh, lots to lots lots to talk about. I think you and I are both. I think we're all kind of hoping both teams take care of business this Saturday so that. We next next week. I mean, next week's already one of the most fun weeks in in, in Montana. It's 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 Christmas in November. Um, but my gosh, would that be something if we're talking about the first top five matchup ever between the two programs? I I, I was trying to think, and and I think I read it when we came into Bozeman in 2011 on our way to a semifinal appearance, and we we knocked off the number one ranked yep. uh, Montana State team. Were we number seven at the time? Number seven. That's right. Yeah, I remember that year. It it started out kind of slow, and there was I think they lost maybe once or even twice, and and the Grizz were like three and two, and then Jordan Johnson had that unbelievable game where he threw six touchdowns against Weber State, and it was off and running after that. Yes. Yes. Yeah. You know. So I mean, listen. You can point to any of the of of the of the really good Grizz teams, and and. uh, you know, make comparisons. I mean, what, what was it? Was it eight or nine or one of those years? I mean, seven, we were dang good. And we, we missed the field goal against Wofford, which it should never come to a field goal. But, you know, there was one of those games where it took everything we had to beat Idaho state and Pocatello. If you recall, I mean, the Weber state loss was, was a, was a big loss because that was our only loss in four years in the conference. How, how crazy is that? I mean, one right. conference loss in four years. And then we got to, redeem ourselves by beating them in Missoula, you know? So the Grizz are, they, what a job they've done. I mean, people were writing them off weeks ago and, and it's just like getting, I mean, I listened to your, I listened to your program the other day and it's just, you know, you went game by game, got better, got better. They got better, you know, and they're just getting better, which is what you want to do heading into November and now into November, because, you know, like you and I always say, the games they remember are played in November and, and these two weeks are going to be, ginormous in terms of how we remember the 2023 big sky season man well that's my last thing i'll leave you with it i've been encouraging i know we have a lot of people we we are uh you know media guys that just analyze this and we have a great time 
no matter what happens, and it's always great stories. And, of course, we always want the, the Montana schools to do well. We want all the schools to do well. But, I mean, the best stories rise to the top, and that's what makes sports so great. But I've been teasing respective Grizz and Cat fans that I know listen to this that also uh, engage with us in the community and stuff like that. And I said, hey, these next couple weeks, you got to root for not only your team, but you got to root for the rival too because <laughs> that's what's going to make this collision course occur. And truly, the best thing for both these teams is for them to both be at their peak going into the rivalry game because then the winner will absolutely get uh, a, a, one of the top three if not top two seeds in the FCS playoffs but if they both take care of business this week then that means the loser will also get a first round bye and uh, what a tip to of the cap that would be for uh, football in Montana yeah I mean incredible incredible it's it's unfortunate that Montana State had the outcome they did a few weeks ago now in, in, in at Idaho but I mean, I don't know. You just never know with a team. Going back to some of the teams we were talking about, was it the best thing in the world for them? I don't know. You, you know, time time is going to tell. But yeah, man. I mean, just when you figure when you figure that literally everything is on the line right now with two two weeks to go, as fans, as 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 slap media guys, like we like we you just said. I mean, we we get the luxury of, of analyzing a little bit, talking about it, having fun with it. I mean, these guys are, you know, this is this is how they put food on the plate for their families, man. And and so awesome. Uh, it's just an awesome, awesome thing that we get to talk about Big Sky football, the way it's kind of shaped out throughout the last couple months and just seeing who, who's gotten better, who's gotten good, who was who we really, you know, kind of had on the on the fence. And and uh, I mean, it's looking it's looking like the top four teams that we're always talking about and the two teams here in the treasure state, Idaho and Sac state obviously still has a real shot at, 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 at not just the playoffs, but a high seed, which is crazy to think because of some of the games they've dropped uh, um, to the programs that we, that were, that we cover most extensively, man. So incredible. It, it's awesome. It's, it's, uh, we're, we're pushing the middle of November here shortly and, and, uh, both teams in the Treasure State are, are, are competing for a championship, which is fun to, fun to see and talk about, man. He's Tag Gregorak. You can find his television calls on uh, the MTN Network, Scripps Network, across the state of Montana and across the Big Sky Conference. He'll be on the call with Eastern Washington in town to play Montana State. You can also find him each week here on the Big Sky Breakdown podcast. Coach Ty, thanks for being here, man. Good to talk to you. Thank you. Get to get healthy, get that voice right, Coulter. You know, you got to get to do those four o'clocks every day, man. I mean, you got to you got to be able to bring it with, with that, those vocal cords so you get yourself right. And where, where are you this week? Are you I will see you in Bozeman. Here? I've only been to Bozeman twice okay. this season. It's been like my least Bozeman trips of the year, but I'll be there this weekend, so I'm looking forward to it. Very good. Well, I look forward to seeing you, and uh, hopefully we're watching and talking and you writing about a, a big-time game. And, and uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be great. I look forward to seeing you. Travel safe, my friend. Introducing SmartBiz, the ultimate Wi-Fi solution for Missoula's small businesses from Blackfoot Communications. With out-of-the-box dedicated networks, top-tier security, and network failover, you'll stay seamlessly connected. Just $20 a month, no contracts. Sign up at blackfootsmallbusiness.com slash better Wi-Fi and connect to more with Blackfoot Communications.